Tom Copeland is a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ who has been called to teach God's Word on finances since 1982. Tom is a chartered professional accountant who has advised thousands of people, including individuals, couples, and business owners, in making wise biblical financial decisions. Tom's financial moments are aired on numerous radio and TV stations across Canada. Tom is the president and founder of Copeland Financial Ministries, who teach what the Bible says on finances. For more info, check out copelandfinancialministries.org. Again, that's copelandfinancialministries.org. Now, here is Tom teaching on the topic, Secular Perspective versus a Biblical Perspective on Money. I'd like to welcome you to the series called Secular Perspective versus Biblical Perspective on Money and Material Things. This is the first session of uh, three sessions in this series. And in this session, I'm going to particularly focus on a comparison of 12 um, perspectives, really, uh, between a biblical perspective and a secular perspective on money and material things. And I'm going to do this and demonstrate this by way of um, referring to the person with the biblical perspective to be uh, called a biblical steward and the person with a secular perspective to be called a uh, secular person. Here's something as we go through, You first of all, you might want to think about is do you think there's a difference between a secular perspective and a biblical perspective on money, managing money? Do you think there's a, there's a difference? And uh, think about that for a minute. And I think most of you are going to conclude very quickly there definitely is. There's a huge difference, and I'm going to show, show you that difference. And unfortunately, even uh, Christians can sometimes fall into the, uh, the secular mindset or have a secular perspective on money and material things. And again, to demonstrate this comparison, I'm going to um, talk about the typical actions and attitudes of a secular person versus a biblical steward and show you the, uh, the comparison. And I would encourage you to um, prayerfully review this comparison as I go through it and ask God to speak to your heart and your mind. Uh, pray the prayer that David did in Psalms 139 where David said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So ask God to reveal to you any areas that you need to deal with. And then I would suggest that you um, focus on the scriptures that I have in those areas and meditate on those scriptures and allow God through his word and his spirit to change the way you think about and, uh, and manage money and help you to um, develop a biblical perspective or the develop the mindset of a biblical steward as opposed to a secular person. So... Um, Let's get started with these, these 12 comparisons. The first one, the secular person believes that we own our own material resources. Um, it's interesting. I'd like to make a comment on that. It's, um, if you think you own the money and material things you have, wait until a split second after you die. You're going to realize you were just a, a manager, a steward of those resources while you're here on earth. And let's not forget that our time here on earth, whether it be 50, 60, 70, 80, maybe some of us might break 100 years, it's very short compared to eternity. So if you know Christ as Savior and Lord, you're going to spend eternity in heaven. And so we want to do things from an eternal perspective. And of course, again, think of what Paul said in 1 Timothy 6, for we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of it. We will take absolutely nothing out of it. So we're just a steward. Uh, so if someone thinks that they actually own the resources they have, you really don't. You're just managing it for the short period of time you're here on earth. The biblical steward, on the other hand, acknowledges that God owns everything and that we are managers of God's resources. Psalms 24 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, for he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. God created everything, Genesis chapter 1. He's the creator and the founder of everything on this earth, and fundamentally, he owns it all. He's just uh, allowing us to manage it while we're here on earth. The second comparison between a secular person versus a biblical steward is that a secular person looks to self and the wisdom of this world 
for direction. They, um, they look to their, their own wisdom, their own experience for direction. In Psalms 1-1 it says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. Um, on the other hand, the biblical steward looks to God and his word for direction in using the financial resources that God's entrusted to him. James 1-5 is a key verse that I pray often where James said, If any of you lack wisdom, we all lack wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him. This is a scripture I pray pretty much every day, asking God for his wisdom and direction and doing almost everything. Because often there's um, details or information we don't have. The second thing is many times our decisions, whether they be financial or otherwise, can impact the future, or our own lives, future, future, our own future lives, or impact somebody else's life. And we need God's wisdom and direction. Only the Lord knows what the future holds, and He knows what the best decision is. The third item is uh, the secular person gives God and His work the leftovers, which are usually small. The biblical steward, on the other hand, gives God the first fruits. Uh, in other words, he makes giving to God's work a priority. He learns to live on 90% of the income that he has. Now, the tithe is a guideline, it's not a legalism, but he learns to live on a lesser amount than what his income is so that he'll have a surplus there to give to the Lord's work. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Unfortunately, today what happens is most Christians, they buy what they want, uh, often um, using credit, whether it be credit cards, line of credit, or a big mortgage, or car loans. They buy what they want, and I can tell you this, as the debt goes up, uh, as the debt goes up, the giving goes down. Because when they come to the end of the month, and they have only so much money in their bank account, and they have a big mortgage payment, perhaps bigger than it should be, they got a car loan payment, which maybe they shouldn't have, and they owe some money on their credit cards, what gets paid first? Their debts get paid first. They don't want to lose their car. They don't want to lose their home. And God gets the leftovers. We need to make sure that God gets the first fruits. And as you plan your finances through developing and implementing a budget, you need to make sure that you're living on an amount that's uh, less than what you're earning. So you do have that, those funds to, to give to the Lord's work. And I think of 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 7 where Paul said, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. The fourth point I'd like to make, the secular person is generally discontent with his uh, present level of income and generally wants more. That's the attitude and the mindset of a lot of people in this world. And of course, uh, what does Hebrews 13.5 says? It says, keep your lives free from the love of money. Be content with what you have. And in Luke chapter 3, John the Baptist said, be content with your pay. In other words, we need to learn to be content with the resources that God has given to us. The biblical steward, on the other hand, they are content with God's provision. And they should follow the Apostle Paul's instructions in 1 Timothy chapter 6, where Paul said, But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it, but if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. I think we all know how committed the Apostle Paul was. And he actually wrote this scripture when he was in jail, which is amazing, still expressing that he, he was learning to be content. Um, we know how committed he was, but he still had to learn to be content. And generally speaking, as Christians, we need to learn to be content with God's provision. That may entitle um, doing a what I call a paradigm shift between focusing on the temporal, which is money and material things, to focusing on the eternal, things of eternal value. Think of it uh, this way. When we get to heaven, what's going to be important? The money and material things that you've had or enjoyed while you're here on earth? Or, for example, the salvation of people. The salvation of people is something of eternal in nature. And so, 
If you give some money to God's work, for example, and forgo some material thing, and just one person comes to know Christ because of that, uh, the ministry that you gave to, that's going to have an impact a thousand years from now, a million years from now. The money and material things that we have while we're here on earth, they're, they're very temporary in nature. They'll probably be worn out in five or ten years. And certainly a split second after we die, they're, they're going to be gone. The fifth point I'd like to make is the secular person struggles with the fear of the future or fear of losing assets. A lot of people get into this uh, situation. They're, they're afraid of what's going to happen in the future. They're afraid of uh, losing their assets. And of course, what does Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says? It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He, that is God, will make your path straight. In other words, God will direct you. He's promised to direct you. I think also of Psalms 32, 8, where God said, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. The biblical steward, on the other hand, doesn't struggle with fear of the future or fear of losing assets, but rather the biblical steward puts God first and trusts God to provide for their needs. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus gave us an incredible promise. Jesus said, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Those are needs. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. In other words, Christ is saying if we put him first, if we manage money according to his principles and his specific will, God's going to meet our needs. But by the way, it doesn't say he'll necessarily meet our wants and desires. He may meet your wants and desires, and I believe with respect to wants and desires, God will provide the cash. You don't have to borrow for that. But generally speaking, God has promised to meet our needs, and we need to make that distinction when we're developing our, our budget or planning our finances or even before you spend any money and ask yourself, is this a, uh, a, a need or is it a want and desire? And Christ promised to meet our needs, but not necessarily our wants and desires. So we have to keep that in mind. Now, sometimes he will meet our wants and desires, but I believe he'll do that with cash. And um, you just need to make sure before you start spending money on wants and desires that it is God's will for you to spend the money there. Number six, uh, the secular person believes that we are accountable to no one, that we can do with our money as we wish. The secular person believes that. That's not true. If you look at um, Matthew chapter 25, if you remember, that's the parable of the talents. That's where the master who is God entrusted five talents to one servant, two to another servant, and one to a third servant. The scripture says that after a long time, after a long time, perhaps a lifetime, the master returned and made the servants accountable. The two servants who were faithful with what they had been entrusted with, God entrusted them with even more. But the one servant who was unfaithful, God took it away from him. And so one of the key items here is that we are accountable to God. And the biblical steward, they understand and believe that we're accountable to God for how we use the money that God has entrusted to them. That's the biblical perspective. Romans 14, 12 says, So then each of us will give account of himself to God. The secular person uses money to buy things that are temporary. He's short-sighted as his investments are treasures on earth. The biblical steward, on the other hand, uses money and material things that God has given to him for eternal purposes. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, Do not store for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What, what Christ is talking about here is build up things that are going to last for eternity. Um, and again, as I mentioned before, if you forgo purchasing some material thing or, or spending some money on something that's a want and desire and you give it to God's work and one person comes to know Christ, that's something of eternal value. Or if you even save the money for the, the interim because you don't know what the future is going to hold. You, you might be out of work or your spouse might be out of work. God, 
uh, does want us to say, Proverbs 21.20 says, In the house of the wise, there's a storage of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has. In this comparison, the biblical steward uses the money and material things that God has entrusted to him for eternal purposes. In 1 Timothy 6, Paul said, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. So uh, the biblical steward uses money and material things that God's entrusted to them for eternal purposes and uses it as God directs him according to God's financial principles in the Bible. And also they discern God's specific will. Now that's a separate series that I'm doing, discerning God's will and managing money. But the, the biblical steward will take uh, pray and ask God to direct them uh, on very specific uh, decisions. The eighth point I'd like to make is the secular person believes that their financial success arises as a result of his hard work. In other words, he made it happen. You may be successful in your business or you may be successful in your, your profession or your employment, whatever you're doing. And you may think, well, I did the hard work and I made it happen. And I'm not suggesting you didn't work hard. But let's have a look at what uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8 says. It says, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is God, it is God who gives you the ability to produce wealth. It's God who's given you your natural ability to earn the income that you have. And so you need to praise the Lord for that ability. And if he's given you an ability to earn an above average income, and that's God's calling for you, then go for it. Nothing wrong with having a high level of income. God entrusted large amounts of uh, income and assets to um, godly men in the Bible like Abraham, Solomon, and Job, David. But um, just remember that your talents and your abilities, they come from the Lord. The biblical steward, on the other hand, thanks God for their talents and abilities that God has given to them, which may include the ability to earn an above-average income. In 1 Chronicles 29, David said, Wealth and honor come from you alone. You are the ruler of all things. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. Everything comes from you, and we have given to you only what comes from your hand. David recognized where all the assets and everything that came, and this was at the time he had just uh, been working on the Lord's temple, and um, God had blessed incredibly, miraculously, and, uh, and it was just amazing what the Lord did, and, uh, but David acknowledged where, where it all came from. The ninth point I'd like to make is the secular person looks for opportunities to make a lot of money quickly. In other words, they want to get rich quick. Proverbs 23, 4 and 5 warns, Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Have wisdom to show restraint. Cast but a glance at riches and they are gone, for they will surely sprout wings and fly off into the sky like an eagle. If you've got an attitude that you want to get rich and make a lot, a lot of money, uh, it can easily tip over into ungodly perspective and attitudes such as selfishness, greed, covetousness, etc. Scripture saying don't worry yourself to get rich. Don't worry yourself out to get rich. In other words, make sure you have a balanced lifestyle, that you've got time um, with your spouse if you're married, your family. You've got time with the Lord. You've got time for ministry. Uh, don't just work, work, work. The biblical steward, on the other hand, does not try to get rich quick, but works faithfully wherever God has directed him. Proverbs 28, 19, and 20 says, He who works his land will have abundant food. But the one who chases fantasies will have his fill of poverty. A faithful man will be richly blessed, but one eager to get rich will not go unpunished. Again, there's nothing wrong with being successful. There's nothing wrong with having a lot of assets in and of itself if, that's, if God's provided it. It's really what we're talking about here is more the heart, the attitude, the motive. 
In Proverbs 16, 2, it says, All a man's ways seem innocent to him, but motives are weighed by the Lord. It's your heart, your attitude, your motive. Why are you doing what you're doing? And uh, God wants us, this, this scripture, Proverbs 28, is really emphasizing that we need to focus on what, what area of work that the Lord has called us to. Focus on that. He who works his land will have abundant food. Remember, most people at that time were farmers. And what, uh, what the Bible's saying is work at which you know and understand. Often, when people get involved in certainly in, in different types of investments that they don't know and understand, often they can lose money. Uh, or if you're a business owner, you get involved in a business you don't know and understand, you can lose money. So Scripture's saying, work at what you know and you understand, what God's called you to do. I believe that God has a calling for everyone. I mean, we know in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, uh, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has a calling for us, and we need to discern what that is. And, if, and that calling probably involves certain areas of work. Do that work, and if it happens to be very profitable and you're paid very well, praise God. Remember to honor the Lord with your wealth, um, but praise God if you have that above-average ability. But uh, don't, you know, don't get out of balance and start working, working, working all kinds of hours to get more and more money. That can be often a sign of greed. And, of course, um, in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, Jesus said, Watch out, being on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. The tenth point I'd like to make is uh, the secular person wants to keep up with the Joneses. In Exodus chapter 20, one of the commandments, it says, You, you shall not cover your neighbor's house, your neighbor's wife, or his maidservant, or his manservant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. In other words, if you're starting, if your motive is because is you're wanting and coveting what someone else has, that's not a godly motive. And one of the commandments is not to covet what others have. The biblical steward, on the other hand, doesn't covet, covet what others uh, have, but rather the biblical steward is content with God's provision. In Philippians 4.11, Paul said, For I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. I can do everything through Christ who gives us strength. It's interesting. I, sometimes I hear people quote Philippians 4.13, and they say, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Paul was actually talking about contentment here and learning contentment. That's what he's talking about. And, um, and what was Paul's secret to learning contentment? He, he makes reference to a secret here. What do you think Paul's secret to learning contentment was? Think about that for a minute. It's in the scripture. He said, I can do all, for I've learned to be content whatever, in any and every situation. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. His secret was his relationship with Jesus Christ. By Paul, he did two things. He focused on his relationship with Christ. He depended upon the Lord. John 15, 5 talks about depending on God because without God we can't bear any fruit of eternal nature. Um, he depended upon the Lord and he focused on things of eternal value rather than things of temporal value. When you focus on things of eternal value, the temporal things, which is basically money and material things, become a whole lot less important. That doesn't mean you ignore money and material things. Everyone needs to develop and implement a budget, know where they're spending their money, know where their finances are at financially. Proverbs 27, 23 admonishes to know where we're at financially. But um, God, basically, it's, it's an attitude of being content with whatever God has provided to us. And as Paul talked about in 1 Timothy 6, godliness with contentment is great gain. And the 11th point I'd like to make is that the secular person generally either spoils their family members or they provide, in other words, they provide unnecessarily for wants and desires or sometimes they ne neglect their family. And if you're working, working, working and providing 
unnecessary uh, wants and desires for some of your family members. I'm not saying you shouldn't provide some, but if it, often uh, I see, especially uh, with men, they're working, working, working. They're not at home very often. And uh, in order to make up for the time they don't spend with their kids, they'll, they'll spoil them. They'll give them all kinds of material things, um, thinking that that makes up for it. But it really doesn't. Uh, because if you start developing within them an attitude of wanting more and more and more, uh, let's see uh, what Ecclesiastes 5.10 says. Whoever loves money never has money enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. Money and material things in of itself will never satisfy. The biblical steward, on the other hand, provides for the needs of their family. In 1 Timothy 5.8, it says, If anyone does not provide for his relatives, especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So providing for needs is biblical. You need to do that. Um, providing wants and desires... You need to discern God's will on that. Certainly, sometimes you will. God will direct you to provide wants and desires for your family. Praise God. And if he directs you to do that, then go ahead and do it. But uh, don't just um, throw money on and try to make up for time you're not spending or that kind of stuff. Uh, and don't try to buy their love because you really can't buy anyone's love. But, uh, but just pray and discern what, what God wants you to do. The twelfth point and final point that I'd like to make is in terms of the secular person, generally speaking, their character traits, they're prideful. They're greedy, they're fearful, they're dishonest, selfish, they covet, they trust in self, they love money, they're unrighteous, and they're frustrated. That's uh, the character traits of a secular person. Uh, not a good place to be, and frankly, even some Christians can have some of those character traits. Uh, certainly, let's, let's think about selfishness. Um, who doesn't struggle with selfishness? Yet, in I think it's Philippians 2, 3, and 4, Paul said, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others more important than yourselves. Each of you should look not, not only at your own interests, but also the interests of others. And of course, uh, think of the golden rule that Christ gave us, to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Um, so as Christians, we need to uh, avoid selfishness. That's a, that's a secular perspective on money and material things. We need to be generous and kind and consider others' uh, needs as well, not just, uh, not just our own situation. The biblical steward, on the other hand, has the following character traits. They're humble, generous, faithful, honest. They're content with God's provision. They love the Lord. They're righteous. They're peaceful, and they trust God. I think of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, where it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. God, they're trusting God, and they're experiencing God's peace. In John 14, 27, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So, um, and if you're not experiencing God's peace in the area of finances, then you're probably not managing money God's way. So I'd encourage you to, uh, if, if you need to, this, if you're watching this on uh, TV or listening on the radio, go to our website, copelandfinancialministries.org. This uh, video will be on the website. And uh, you can go over this again and pray and, and ask God to speak to you as you go through these 12 comparisons. And ask the Lord to show you in what areas uh, you have a secular perspective on money and material things. And we all do. We all struggle with something. No one's perfect. And what should you do in order to deal with that uh, secular mindset? I would quote two scriptures. Uh, Romans 12:2, which says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you renew your mind? Joshua 1.8 gives the answer. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so you may be careful to do everything written in it. That's what we need to do is meditate on, on God's Word and allow God through His Word and His Spirit to change the way you think about and manage money.
I'd like to take a few minutes and just talk about Luke chapter 3, where John the Baptist, it's really quite amazing what John talked about here. If, if you go and look at Luke chapter 3, uh, John, um, you know, some crowds of people were coming to him. And one of the questions they were asking him is, uh, what should we do? Um, and he, John actually challenged them quite uh, significantly. He called them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit keeping with repentance. So John the Baptist told these people, produce some fruit, some spiritual fruit, produce things that are of eternal value. And uh, he even warned them, the ax is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce fruit uh, will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Now those are pretty strong words that John the Baptist just said to these people. And it's interesting, the people then asked, the crowd asked, what should we do? And what I find amazing here is I thought what John would say is things like you need to pray re regularly, you need to read the scriptures every day, you need to attain church regularly, fellowship with other believers, give to God's word. Uh, like I thought he'd focus on you know prayer and uh, reading God's word and, 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 and ministry work and fellowship, that kind of stuff. But in fact, he actually didn't. What's amazing is John answered, the man with two tunics should share with the one who has none, and the one who has food should do the same. So what's the first thing he talked about? Sharing or giving. You need to do some giving. Then some tax collectors came to John, and they wanted to be baptized. And they said, teacher, what should we do? He said, don't collect any more than you're required to. In other words, he said, don't cheat and don't lie. How many Christians cheat or lie on their expense report or that kind of stuff, their tax return? So John the Baptist saying, don't cheat. And don't lie. And then some soldiers came to him and said, what should we do? And he said, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. This is amazing. Be content with your pay. In other words, he's telling these soldiers, be content with what God has entrusted to you. And it, what's amazing here is when people came and said, what should we do in order to produce fruit? He talked about finances, all three things deal with finances. It's, it's just amazing. I mean, what, what John the Baptist told him to do was to give or to share. Don't cheat anyone out of any money. Don't lie in any way. Be totally honest and be content with your pay. So I find that just amazing that John the Baptist did this. And of course, this is developing a biblical perspective on money and material things as opposed to a secular perspective. I'd like to now close in prayer. Father, I pray that everyone who's listening would follow up and uh, just um, determine in their lives where they have a secular perspective on money and material things and versus a biblical perspective and help uh, all of us who are watching uh, this program or listening to be able to um, develop a biblical perspective in all areas of our lives, including the management of the money and material things that you've entrusted to us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to learn more, check out copelandfinancialministries.org. Again, copelandfinancialministries.org. Financial Moments with Chartered Accountant Tom Copeland. Jesus said, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Matthew 6.24 for everyone, including business owners, it is easy to unintentionally serve money rather than God. Here are some examples of serving money. You are working so many hours that your life is out of balance and you're not spending quality time with the Lord in prayer each day or quality time with your spouse, kids, or in ministry. You may say that you put God first. However, where you spend your time and your money reveals your true priorities. Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
What is the solution? It is to follow the greatest commandment, as Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. To learn more, check out copelandfinancialministries.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter under Bible Finance.